We fight every night, bro. So, you know, the culture here is definitely forming. And I'm just, it's a, I'm blessed to be a part of it, man. Welcome to another episode of the Sons Undone podcast. I am your host tonight, Christopher Severino. And I am joined by Christian Campbell. Say hi to everybody. How's it going, everyone? Sham Samad, our other host from the West Coast. What's up, everybody? The GOAT of Sons Twitter, a.k.a. Sons GOAT, a.k.a. the producer of the show, Jay Karnansky. What's up, what's up? And last but definitely least, I mean not least, <laughs> Serena Keats. What's up, Keats? Well, it's good. All right, fellas, we're going to jump right into it. I don't think we've come down from our cloud yet. As the Suns complete the season sweep to beat Milwaukee 114-105 to last night in a game that had as many up and downs as we could ever remember in a long time. This has been the third game the Suns have won in the last four games. They basically complete the sweep going to 2-0 against Milwaukee. Milwaukee had not lost back-to-back this year, and they had not lost twice to an opponent. So the Suns completed the sweep, and this is jump right into it. What do you guys think? Well, I'd probably say it's um, you know right up there as one of the best wins of the season, along with you know the Laker game and the previous Bucks game. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it was just so fun to watch this team be resilient again. You know, we got down 10 to 12 early in the game, but we, we fought back, including um, one of the big points I thought was taking, you know, Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton out of the game because from what we saw from Brooke Lopez last time, the man went like, what, was it 0 for 10 from 3? Yeah, I don't know. 0 for 12? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, he, he never got it going, Middleton never got it going, and we just, you know, we finished the game. Middleton got clamped, man. He was one for thirteen after yeah, hitting his first shot. Yeah, he hit his first shot and he didn't score the rest of the game, and he was even missing free throws. Yeah, he was one of thirteen for the game and one of seven for three. That's awful. Yeah, I'm glad. he could have hurt us big times. He always likes to go off against us. Yeah, he's he's one of those like all-star guys and not necessarily all-star because he made the team one of those guys that is basically a son's all-star in the sense that he always kills us no matter what. Yep, we all remember that buzzer beater. Yeah, no. Brother. He's one of those guys I've been thinking about recently considering he's going to be a free agent that I just really hope, like, yeah, he's great, but I think he's kind of just great in Milwaukee and I don't really want to overpay him to be on our team next year. Oh, yeah, I think they'll re-sign him for sure. I would think so, but he might get one of those Joe English type deals where like they just really want him to stay, so they pay him a bunch of money kind of thing. Yeah, he was an all star too. So yeah, the first half of the game started kind of slow. I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I missed uh, a lot of that first half, uh, bits and parts of it. But let me tell you, when I started watching, t- uh, thir- fourteen to three run to end the half to bring the game within two points. Yeah, ended the half really well, and. Um, the rest was, you know, I was scared it was just going to stay an eight-point game the way it was in the third quarter. Yeah, that run that run to end the first half was like the best run of the season. Huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, was, it was one of those games that began and you kind of lost a little bit of hope because the Bucks went up by as much as 16 and they led for a lot of that 
game, even though they weren't shooting as well, and the Suns were relatively playing good defense, it just kind of felt that we were playing our best game and we still were down six, eight, ten points, almost with almost no chance to felt like to come back. So that that run was really key to end the half. Yeah, that's what happens with these great teams. Somebody who's you know the best team in the East is you don't really get a chance to come back from things like that, especially when you're a bottom feeding team like this. No matter what the effort is, and you know I guess we just did enough defensively to let ourselves back into the game. It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of, uh, with a young team and you know being able to stop them defensively. Um, as much as we did, we had to be thankful that they were missing a lot of three pointers too. You know, they got cold in that second half from three for a good part of it. So let's talk about Aiton though. Well, I mean, what kind of performance he put up last night? I know obviously it looks pretty average from the scoreboard, but man, he was everywhere, especially defensively against uh, Giannis, you know, second straight game in a row that they put him on the opposing team's best player. And, um, it's just impressive to watch his growth go. But we all knew he could do that, right? Yeah, pretty much all season. You know, he's been playing really good perimeter defense. Um, you know, guarded LeBron last night, like you said. Guarded Giannis for a little bit, including um, a clutch defensive possession. And then, how about that? How about that bounce pass finishing the paint over Giannis too? That clutch bucket didn't yeah. that give you? Didn't that give you Amari to Nash vibes for a little bit? Or Nash yeah, to Amari just, vibes? Yeah. <laughs> the ability to you know finish those kind of buckets instead of being instead of you know being reckless about it is just much appreciated in somebody that young. So I really thought he was gonna bang on Giannis. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought for sure he was gonna go up for a two, and there's gonna be some stupid call, but he managed to twist and turn his way towards the basket and make it. And work then he for flexed. And then he flexed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's currently that is currently my phone's uh, background right now. Is that flexing as, photo? So as it should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the main takeaway is that he was aggressive. He played good defense pretty much all night, and he took the challenge by guarding Giannis throughout the night. Two nights removed from guarding LeBron for mm-hmm. most of the night. So to see a kid who came into the draft with a lot of detractors saying that he couldn't play defense, that was his biggest, you know, downfall. Seven for one, two hundred and fifty pounds. And he's taking the challenge every single night. I think Igor needs to continue to challenge him. Yes, we came into the season with Igor saying that he's going to be the defensive anchor. But for mm-hmm. him to actually show it and challenge when the team needed it most, it was honestly just very encouraging. Just so happy from his effort. And you can tell that not only, you know, physically, obviously he's a monster, but he's mentally figuring out that, hey, I'm, I'm honestly better than most of these guys. I'm faster. I can jump higher. <laughs> and it's actually clicking for him now. So... Yeah, absolutely, man. And he's got one of the lowest usage rates, you know, in the league. So once once we, once he gets a point guard, a point guard who can con- um, consistently feed him the ball, once he gets that three ball going, it's going to be a really scary thing to see offensively. Yeah, no, definitely. He, um, you know, I mean, that's why he has such a high percentage of his shots made is because he doesn't take that money because his usage rate is low. Um, and he's not the kind of aggressor that, you know, a lot of people knock on him for it and, you know, I do. I would like to see it more often, but he did show it last night. Last night he had that. I mean, specifically, if you want to point to one one move that kind of showed it was that drop step move he had uh, against Miritich that just totally had him looking dumb. Yeah, um, it's like he can do that yeah, to like. Yeah, he can do that against like a lot of the big men in this league, and he just hasn't really done it yet because he's been you know trying to find his footing. But if he can do that. Like, we know he can do that. We've been asking for that for so long. That's a move that, you know, it's just as a man who's seven foot one and has that kind of stature, 
with no injuries at 19, 20 years old, you should be able to do that, you know? And it was just so good to see him kind of take that handoff. And even Booker was surprised that he just took it in and did that drop step and layup. So. That that fake dribble handoff, spin move layup and one, mm-hmm. his best Oof. play of his career. Oof. I'd probably say so far, yeah. That's probably his best move. Yeah, that's so. probably more. How about um, how about Kelly Oubre down the stretch, though, fellas? I was about to yeah. say, right after the eight in pick and roll, we were up four with 30 seconds left. And Oubre clamped Lopez. The yeah, play was, of the year on defense, man. That was amazing, man. The energy after that, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. His his energy when he was waiting for the call was the best thing I have ever seen, bro. Man. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But, but also, guys, don't you think that might have been his best offensive game of the season too? Yeah, he yeah. he wasn't yeah. shooting that well from three, but he was attacking. He was attacking the glass. Yeah, he came. He, he came was scared of nobody. Drew a yeah. lot of fouls. Yeah. Surprisingly, he only took three threes uh, last night, and he made one. So. Usually, you know, so it feels like some halves he's already putting up five, seven, three attempts. You yeah, know, you know what it was? Half, so. he was taking uh, he was taking advantage of his defender not being ready. I mean, he got to the line and took seventeen free throws last night. Seventeen, making twelve Sheesh. of them. Those are Booker numbers, right? He was looking like them. Those are Harden numbers. Yeah, Harden. Yeah, numbers. he's like <laughs> the MVP left <laughs> Yeah, that. I thankfully, I mean, those free throws racked up because you know, probably the one struggle he's had offensively with us so far is that he has been kind of chucking up a lot of shots, but he stayed, you know, a little grounded and made you know better use of his shots by drawing fouls on him. So it's a good improvement we can see from him. So his rebounding, honestly, we need to just talk about that because he has really good length, but he's not really a true power forward. He's kind of that's six seven six eight tweener with a really long like seven for one seven for two wingspan, but he really makes the best of like his opportunities. Uses athleticism really intelligently. Yeah, he just knows yeah. where to be on the floor. It seems, the floor, it seems like he. Um, I mean, he had five on- offensive rebounds last night. So of his thirteen, that's that's big for somebody who's only like six eight six seven. So yeah, yeah. his his motor's relentless, man. It's yeah, exactly what we need. Yeah, even Aiden said after the game that he was surprised that he was getting so much help on the rebounds because that's never happened. Yeah, no, it's good to step up, even though they, you know, they did start dragging Bender again, which, I mean, we'll get to that later. I still have no idea oh, why. They I, I know <laughs> we start him just for size, but once he checks out, he doesn't check back in. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. It's basically just to get him in. It's... He did have to, he did have a nice walk against Giannis though at one point though, uh, which was kind of good. I mean, in his twelve minutes, he only had uh, he didn't even shoot the ball. He had three rebounds, two assists, uh, two blocks, and three fouls. So yeah, he had I mean, a couple he, open threes. He passed up. I I kind of don't have any problem with with him starting, especially if he's only going to play like ten to twenty minutes, and you know it's kind of to set the tone. He had a couple of good block shots, some contested. Shots just to kind of set the tone until Milwaukee goes small again. So I got no problem with Igor continuing to do that. He's going to play very limited minutes because you still got Josh Jackson playing 23 minutes and Mikhail still playing 30 minutes, which is encouraging to see since he was uh, taken out of the starting lineup. So mm-hmm. as long as we have the right guys in uh, crunch time, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, that first game that they put Bender into the starting lineup over Mikhail, they only played Mikhail like, I don't know, it wasn't even that many minutes. And we all got super worried that yeah, he was going to start losing minutes. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm glad he's still getting his 30 minutes because it's kind of tough to take that guy off the floor. So Yeah, when he's playing, you can't take him off the court. He does everything that you need to win. You know what's another thing I, I have to point out looking at this box score? Um, and also, if you look at the Lakers box score, I think, let me double check it here, but a common theme in both games uh, was that Jamal Crawford did not get any sort of minutes at all. Like he barely <laughs> played. So he didn't play in the I mean, Lakers game, but he point shaved in the Bucks game. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That's that's the nice way. That's the nicest way you could put that. Yeah. So, I mean, he Jeez. only played thirteen minutes. Um, it's two for seven. I mean, that minus sucks. sixteen though. The worst plus minus of the team. That sucks because he tries. He just yeah. I mean, I love the guy. He's an NBA legend, but this man, he I'm tries kidding. to chuck shots. This time, this time is yeah. coming. He's yeah. not with, not with his team needs right now. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he's, he's, he might be a good voice in the locker room or whatever, but uh, on the court, yeah. I just, I just really would like to see him in a men's warehouse for the rest of the year. That's what he's doing. Yeah, start like organizing nice, the player man. clothes in the back. Get, yeah. get, get, the, get the two for 100 suits. That's what we need. That's what he needs. Yeah, to like, like. Uh-huh. Just get, get a suit game proper because it, it's over, man. Um, right. Just, I'm done with the guy. I've made it very clear. And I, I even on Twitter, I, I try not to use. His actual name, so I refer to him as Damal Drawford because he's obviously a guy who, who searches for his own name on Twitter. Yeah. So, for all, for all intents and purposes, I don't want those kind of problems. You know, well, with that being said, uh, it's just I, I've seen enough of him. And I don't know if it's a Sarver thing or a Jones thing pushing him or Igor, or if Igor just kind of is so, you know, enthralled with the whole veteran leadership thing, which is why he wanted to force Isaiah Cannon on our throats. But I honestly hope I see less and less yeah. of that guy because. Milton was kind of needed in that game. You know, we don't go down really? by six or by eight if Jamal Crawford, you know, gets switched with Milton, I think. Or even you play Troy Danners a little bit more because Troy Danners, even though he dies on screens, isn't a total negative. Right. Yep. Yeah. And Crawford is literally a liability everywhere on the floor. So. Yeah, man. If he's not, like, he's not having, like, one of those games where he's hot, like one of the games when he's hot, I have no fi- I have no problem with Igor keeping him in when he's on fire. But it's like rare; he does it like once every twenty games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he like, hit his first shot it. and then he just chucks up the rest of the game. Yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm hot. Let's get it popping." <laughs> before we move on to anything else, can we just give Devin Booker just a little bit of love because obviously, oh, he you know, closes the game perfectly. How you want absolutely. your best player to close the game? <laughs> He hit a clutch three pointer. Um, I don't know, like going into that thing where he came off that screen. Yeah, just that was with like up. two minutes left. And you know, I, it kind of made me feel some a sort a sort of way that you know is kind of representative of how the season has kind of gone for him. It's like yes, he's put up his points, but that three point shot shot has kind of largely been shaky all season. And when he went up for it, I got worried because I was like, it's fourth quarter, it's clutch time. Are we going to get Devin Booker? that we know Devin Booker where he just goes off and continues, or is he going to break that shot? And, you know, I was just hoping so bad that shot land or, you know, went in and then it did. And, you know, it's, it was a lot of relief. I felt when that happened and I know it's, it sounds dumb to be worried for him, but I, I do sometimes. So I knew that thing. I knew that shot was going in, man. As soon as he pulled up, but that was like I think I'm pretty sure that was the last shot he took all game. The rest of the game he was facilitating so. perfectly. Yeah, I think he had he had one more of that shot off the glass off that rebound. I think he had two, but that was it. So 
at the end of the, but when the game was over, how they asked him about how like teams double team him every every game. Mm-hmm. Didn't really care about like getting his shots. He just wants to win and he'll make the right pass. So I like that he said that because a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, are trying to make it like he's a chucker and he just gets his points and they're empty stats. But he he's not yeah. a guy like. That. That's yeah, a lot of people right. that just don't watch the games. So yeah, exactly, am I the exact <laughs> one? Who would want to watch us besides us? But it makes it so you know. They just look at the box score and they see eight for eighteen. They're like, oh yeah, he was probably chucking. The so, choker, yeah. yeah, they don't watch the yeah, game. So that's that's that. still forty four percent, which is not a bad percentage. I just think there's certain people that are like so like obsessed with efficiency, especially they they kind of want to admit a Booker's game just because it's a popular thing to do on social media. Right. But he's grown so much as a passer, as a playmaker, at making the right reads, making the right passes. It's assessing the situation. And obviously, he's not James Harden level yet, but he's making a progressive climb to be that kind of guy, you know, where we envision where he can be the centerpiece of the offense, you know, and kind of make the right reads. Obviously, you don't want him being the only ball handler, but he's just yeah. been so good. Yeah, no, it's okay. Let let them hate for now because you know what? They're gonna stop once we start getting good. So uh, our time com- is coming. We're coming. Yeah, I wanted. Coming. I want to shout out Tyler Johnson. Played a great game yesterday. You know, I was gonna say that too. He did. He did. Yeah, Tyler was, came in clutch. He was not. He might not have been all over everything, but he made the right plays when it counted, defensively and offensively. So yeah, he was. He played the the passing lane so well. He had four steals in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, team high plus twenty five. Um, I mean, you can tell he's kind of still getting into the motion, and he's been much better. He's he had a really, really like rough start. Obviously, when he first got here, like he was like six for thirty over his like first five or six games, if I remember correctly. But you can tell he's kind of fitting in and, and learning the offense a little bit better now. So just getting more reps and obviously showing us that's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, pretty natural for somebody who comes over in a trade to struggle in the first few games. But, you know, he's come together doing what, you know, he doesn't have to really focus on is just be himself, um, do the natural things in basketball, hustle hard, play defense, make the right passes. And he's been doing that, led the team with four steals last night. It's kind of a representative of how you're supposed to play it. So Yeah, and when Brogdon hit that BS3 at the end of the game, that bounced 20 feet in the air. He came back. So they had all the momentum after that, and he came back and hit a floater in Brooks' face, and that—that yeah. that was the, the game right there. Yeah, yeah that, was that was a tough floater off the glass. That was a clutch bucket. Mm-hmm. It was a bad shot. It looked like too, and I was like, "Why is he doing?" Oh, okay, never mind. It went in. We turned the momentum again. Thank God. So lefty too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I he was lefty. <laughs> that was a left-handed floater too. Yeah, I think I think the key thing and it centers around Aiden's comments around. Uber's comments and even something that Booker said, which um, Booker said that they're not backing down from anybody. After the All-Star break, a lot of teams could shut it down, but they're not, and they feel like it's a new season for them. So for as much negativity as, you know, the Suns have seen, you know, throughout the entire season, have been the butt of the jokes on ESPN and so many other networks and national writers and even other fan bases that don't watch a single game, for them to have that kind of mentality, you know, it, it's it's really encouraging because you saw many times Booker seemed like he had pretty much had it. He didn't know where he was going. The team looked like they, they kind of dug this, themselves a hole where they could never get out of. So to see this kind of newfound hope from guys like Oubre meshing together with Tyler Johnson and Booker almost seems revitalized and now Andre and is, uh, excuse me, DeAndre and is figuring it out now. It's, it's just really awesome to see after this tough, tough season that we've had so far. 
Yeah, thankfully. So. Amen. Amen, bro. Mm-hmm. So, I think with that being said, we can kind of move on to the win of all wins. Because obviously, this was great. But I think it was a little more satisfying to be able to beat a Lakers team that has kind of been reeling after LeBron has come back from his injury and has been the butt of many jokes and kind of the talk of the town. So let's kind of jump into it. How were, how were our feelings after that game, after being able to beat the Lakers? It was, it was great, man. I mean, what I loved was Igor's emphasis on getting DeAndre the ball early and often. You know, they started Kuzma at the five, so we had a mismatch there, and we just kept going to him, and he was, you know, eating them alive. Yeah, I mean, nothing feels better than kicking, I mean... This is probably the one time where kicking somebody while they're down feels great, you know, just when it's the Lakers, because I don't think there's anything better for a Suns fan than to, number one, watch the Lakers fail, and number two, add to that failure that's going on with the Lakers. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, Igor did a good job. The last couple times we played the Lakers, and I know they like to play this game all the time, is they like to run. They love to catch teams off guard and kind of do that. And kudos to Igor to kind of game planning for that. You know, he... You know, he employed some transition defense. And, yes, they still beat us on a few of them, which is natural because we kind of aren't that great at it. But for the most part, they eliminated that part of the game, and I think that was huge. But, yeah, you know, and it, we had Aiton on LeBron, and he did his best. LeBron was not going off against us like he usually does. Which is crazy. Yeah. He still had a great Kills game. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, Le- like, LeBron is LeBron, you know. But <clears throat> Aiton will get his numbers regardless. But If you can really slow him down crazy. at all. Especially, a you know a center guarding him. You know if you can. This is honestly, I, I I'm at a loss of words of what we've seen from him over the last two games. It's, it's just amazing for him it's to crazy. be able to take advantage of the team and do these things and shut down honestly two of the best players, not only in that position, but in the entire NBA to be able to do it and have a great game. Because I mean, Aiden was amazing. He's extremely efficient. He only took 11 shots, made eight of them, had 26 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, and most importantly, went to the line 14 times and made 10 of them, which is something that we've all wanted to see is his aggressiveness, his ability to get to the rim and, and to draw fouls, which, you know, for a big man, he doesn't really have a good free throw rate. But um, going back to comments said from earlier in the season when he went up against Embiid, he said he's, he's going to learn or he's going to steal everything that he learned from Embiid. And obviously Embiid, in my opinion, is a game's harder than a big man at drawing fouls and now we're seeing it come to fruition with Aiden, so kind of putting putting pen to pad and making things happen. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I only expect more of that down the line, which is great to see. Um, Aiden's one of those players that you know it seems like when the team around him is doing what they're supposed to be doing, he stands out because he does his thing on a nightly basis, but nobody cares because we suck, you know, and it's yeah. just you know it doesn't really get noticed and it doesn't really look as good when the rest of the team's not doing their thing. But when they have a set game plan and they have Aiden doing his thing, it just looks that much better. And I, both the Milwaukee game and the LA game, he was doing that. And it was great to see. Um, JaVale, I mean, defensively, JaVale kind of took advantage of him a couple times, uh, which was a little disconcerting with that. I think more than anything, it was more of an energy thing because JaVale is just that kind of player. Um, other than that, though, I mean, he only took 11 shots, Aiden did. And that's pretty... No. Yeah, exactly. We went away from him in the second half, and that's disappointing. And hopefully, hopefully, that's probably one of the only disappointments of that game. And hopefully, going forward, we can fix that. Yeah, I think he had like six free throws at halftime or something like that. Six free throws taken, and he ended with fourteen taken. So I mean, he was still getting to the line, which was good. Um, 
but Igor's got to find a way to stop avoiding or to just to, to, to avoid um, you know going away from him I don't know what it is maybe it's just the nature of the modern game that it's not normal to go to your big you know big man down low every time late in games um, but I mean I don't see why not I mean it couldn't hurt it at this point so the sixes do it yeah the sixers do it I mean yeah I mean we went to him with what, like I think it was thirty seconds left when Josh Hart switched onto him. And we got that controversial foul. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of the only times I remember actually going to him in the second half. Mm-hmm. We went to him late in the shot clock. Yeah, we didn't give him, put him in a good position. Yeah, he had yeah. to be like completely obviously on a switch for them to actually give him the ball. So yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was also going to say, um, Book once again did a good job closing the game. You know, because the Lakers did make their eventual run. You know, they cut down to five. Um, Ingram Ingram hit that open three in the corner, but then we saw Book come off the screen, hit that really clutch mid-range jumper, and I feel like that kind of gave us hope. Mm-hmm. Remind me, did Kuzma play in that game? <laughs> I don't. I don't think he yeah, even Kuzma touched played. the ball on offense. Like I don't remember him scoring. The only reason that we know Kuzma played is because what Aiden was doing to him. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Reason we remember. <laughs> He wasn't touching yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's pretty quiet, which yeah. is good because we know he can get hot. You know, he did have a forty-point game quickly. Right here, so I would, I would say the happiest thing that, um, or the thing I'm happiest about is this team's ability or, or growing ability to be able to close down the stretch, and it's not just like Devin Booker hero ball anymore. It's a myriad of ways. You see, yesterday, uh, last night, uh, Igor called a timeout when Booker got open. Just because he wanted to calm the team down and run a set, and even though you know the following play after the timeout was like a pretty bad Booker shot that kind of just clunked off the side of the rim, mm-hmm. you kind of just see the entirety of the team growing. So Igor's growing as a coach. Rotation's getting slightly better, with the exception of Jamal Crawford. Um, <laughs> you see, <laughs> yeah, uh, about that. Uh, yeah. You see, obviously Devin Booker doing some different things. Running some place for Aiden, letting Ubre kind of do his thing, letting Josh at times do his thing, Mikel do his thing. So it's just really encouraging to see the team growing over these last four games and be able to find ways to win games that they wouldn't have won earlier in the season. Yeah, you know, uh, going back to that, the more this team grows and the more other players are able to really handle the cause a distraction for opponents more Devin Booker is not going to be had to be relied upon not saying we don't want to go to him but I mean he's been struggling so much with double teams and being the main focus of defenses actually have a game plan for these things it's gonna make life so much easier for him next season yeah he's our best player so there's gonna be teams that they know at the end of the game they're gonna take him away and make somebody else beat us so the other players are gonna have to be able to do that at a certain point which in the last two games has been a fine option because Tyler Johnson's sure. come to play, uh, Kelly Oubre's come to play, DeAndre Ayton's come to play, and mm-hmm. which which is frustrating because you think about the rest of the season, you don't think, or you kind of think about why couldn't we do it, you know, in those other games, but <laughs> because you know they're capable of doing it, we saw it do it the last, saw them do it the last two games, we saw them, you know, keep the lead at bay. We see, we know they can, you know, stretch it and keep it going. I mean, for the most part of the game, it was it was good. Um, you know, it was good splitting. You know, they kept you know the game far apart and in you know out of reach for the most part. So, shout out LeBron for throwing off the back of the backboard too. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, that's, oh my god, that's one of our favorite things to do. And don't forget, league leading nineteen straight games with a steal, Mikel Bridges. 
Very underrated stat. Good point, Jake. That's a great stat. You brought that up. Okay. I love all. So I think we can move on to more pressing matters. And by sure. more pressing matters, I mean the ESPN story that recently came out before the dirty laundry of the Phoenix Suns over the last somewhat years front and center. Obviously being talking about one Robert Tarver and all of his weirdness, how he confronts coaches mid-games, uh, things about goats defecating. Um, anybody want to get into that? All I have to say about that is it was very obvious who the source was for the story. And so are you talking about one Ryan McDonough? Yes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. It was very obvious that he was the one reporting because yeah. he said in the in the article it says that um it said something about his draft history and he was not blaming himself for drafting Bender and Chris, which is yeah. um. A little strange because, you know, in the context of the conversation, I feel like that's pretty necessary. Um, as far as the whole story goes, um, no one's really surprised. No, nobody who's close to the team is really surprised by it, I don't think. Uh, we all know he's pretty inept and in that he um, likes to stick in his nose into too many things and um, try to do way too much with a team he probably shouldn't be doing uh, because he doesn't know what he's talking about, which is unfortunate. Um, that he is our owner, but hopefully at some point, you know, maybe more of these articles can come out and they'll uh, force his hand to sell. I don't know. To be honest, it couldn't really hurt at this point. We already know he's trash. So I think it was bad from the standpoint of, you know, this is kind of bad, but it wasn't so bad where he can kind of lose his position with the team or what have you. Like Jake already said, it doesn't surprise any of us. So we really, really need the damning stuff to come out to, kind of forces him to have to sell the team. But unfortunately, this is just not enough. It's not anything that we kind of didn't already know with oh, the yeah. exception of the, of the GOAT story. Mm-hmm. Um, Which was fun. But Yeah, indeed. But it's, it's just one of those things I don't really see what we gain from learning any of this. I mean, what concerning for me was it recently came out is that James Jones is basically unreachable. Uh, he doesn't have a phone number of people can contact him and things of that nature. So, I mean, I kind of believe in James Jones, but... We just kind of need to gear him with the right people so he can succeed because I think he does have the ability to maybe be a really good GM one day. I think if we do get a good president of basketball operations, it will help James a lot. Yeah, I don't like this whole co-GM thing between him and Buck, uh, Trevor Buckstein. Um, if you're going to make James Jones your GM, then go ahead and do it. But I definitely agree with trying to get a good basketball president. Um I don't really want any recently former agents. I don't want any of that nonsense that they've been trying to do. Just give me somebody who knows basketball, who's done it before, has a track record, and isn't out of the times, you know, yet. So, so basically, David Griffin. Yes, basically. Yes, sir. Please. Him saying it, but um, you know, <laughs> that's the that's the pipe dream. Um, Indeed, but really it's but you know, us sons, us sons, we always like to shoot for the shoot for the stars, um, and that right there is the penultimate star um so i do like to keep it unnamed just because you never know who's out there but my point is if you know if david griffin you know is not available don't go to some old guy who's out of the term you know out of the way and has no idea what's going on anymore don't hire some like i said former agent you know type you know long style 
uh, guy who you think knows player operations but doesn't really understand how to form a team. You know, go uh, to somebody. Kevin McHale. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Throw up. We don't say that name around here, okay? Uh, <laughs> literally throw up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, but, you know, somebody who's kind of worked in the front office before and kind of go from there. So, I mean, I don't know how that's going to go. It's just been kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird because we don't really know the direction the team is going in. Um, we don't really know what they're going to do with Igor. There were obviously reports from Gamble saying that Igor's job was on the line just a few games ago. Now he seems to be a little more favored just because obviously recent success cure for failure is obviously to succeed and win. So that kind of cures everything. But with that being said, we don't really know if James Jones is going to be the one at the helm or if he's going to have an overseer or if he's just going to clean house altogether. Um, again, I kind of believe in James Jones, maybe a little blindly, just because of the Kelly Oubre trade, honestly. Because that's enough to kind of make me feel any kind of slight positivity and take away the pessimism. And obviously, Tyler Johnson is getting a little better. So being able to flip Ryan Anderson's corpse for Tyler Johnson is actually <laughs> something that um, kind of put him in good favors for me anyway. So. I think right. if the players heard that Igor's job was on the line, they could have gotten him fired, but then they started winning, and I think that proves that they like Igor as well. Yeah, I don't think anybody dislikes Igor. I feel bad for the guy as well. I mean, I think I mentioned this when those rumors initially came out, um, that he was kind of told that he was going to get his way with this team and they were going to get guys that worked with them. And then they proceeded to do the complete opposite, which was give him a bunch of players that he's not used to working with, uh, or at least the style-wise of those players. And um, kind of just threw him into it and said, coach, you know. And so kudos to him for uh, being professional about it and, you know, still managing to implement his schemes and all that and his not so, you know, hot rotations. But, you know, it's one of those things that I just hope, I mean, I don't know what would change this time from any other previous time, uh, but let's just hope he doesn't get fired after a year and a half again. So, yeah, that would that would honestly be awful. Um, I kind of see him in the mode that I see Brett Brown and not in the sense that they're the same coach, but in the sense that Philly stood behind them. They committed to him. They knew that it was going to be a rebuild. Obviously, if Sarver somehow, some way, by the stretch of any imagination, were to finally commit to a plan and say, this is going to be my guy. I'm going to commit to him. I'm going to arm James Jones with everything he needs. I'm going to arm Evo with everything that he needs and get out of the way. I feel that the team can make a steady progression over the next few years, but that kind of remains to be seen if that's the case or not. So I just hope they do stick by him for what it's worth. Absolutely. With that being said, I think we need to jump into what is next. So the Suns have uh, the New York Knicks tomorrow, who now the Suns have a better record than them, with obviously having won three of the last four. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jake and Shams, you guys want to revisit your – earlier predictions from the last pod and see where you guys are at right now. I think Jake is pretty much done. Well, actually, Shams, didn't you kind of say that we were going to beat Milwaukee? Yeah, I'm, I'm currently still perfect on our predictions. I said we'd okay. lose to New Orleans, and I said we would win the next three, uh, being the Lakers, the Bucks, and tomorrow night's game. So I will stick by that and you know ride with it. I don't see any reason we should be losing to the Knicks. Um, they have been, you know, kind of, you know, 
involved, and they do have a couple great players, uh, great young players that you know have been making impacts, like Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Trier has kind of you know been there still. Uh, Knox has been hit or miss. Uh, DSJ has in- injected some uh, life into their game as well. Um, that being said, they're still the Knicks, and we're still the Suns. So it should be a nice little fun game of uh, uh, ineptitude. But yeah. if we can play anything like we played the last two games, I don't see any reason why we should be losing tomorrow night. So, Yeah, I said we'd lose Pelicans, beat Lakers, lose Bucks, beat Knicks. So... I mean, we beat the Bucks, so hopefully we beat the Knicks too. Mm-hmm. Beat the top of the East, now you gotta beat the bottom in the East again because we already did beat them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think we need to continue to get more positive karma going with these wins and get this tanking stench away from us because people just look at our record and not watch us and they think and automatically assume that we're tanking purposely, but it's obviously lack of talent as well as just being outmatched most nights so as long as we just continue to play as hard as we've been playing i'm totally happy regardless of the result of the game but we should absolutely be the next i just want to put that out there as well yeah no for sure so um we'll see how tomorrow night's games go i think i would agree all of us predict a win tomorrow yes yes I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna predict the loss because I've gotten every game wrong so far. Post All Star break. No. Good. So hopefully a little bit of reverse <laughs> I think it'd be it'd be very Suns for us to lose, but we aren't Suns no more, baby. We're the Valley Boys. <laughs> Facts. Oh, let's go. Valley Boys. This is new life right here, man. <laughs> um, that being said, um, I would. You know, obviously I don't want to lose. Uh, I think more important than anything else, I just don't want to see Mitchell Robinson dominate Aiden. That's really a big part of what I want. don't want to see tomorrow night. I know why I don't want to see that. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, brother. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lord. He who shall not be named on this current podcast. Um, <laughs> but... That would be uh, Nick Tornetti for all of our listeners who listened. Uh, I was just going to call him episode. number 563, but true. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said that like, he's, like he from Lilo and Stitch. We love you, Nick. <laughs> I think we're going to sort of. cut the Nick slander short and just end the pod here. Uh, it's, as obviously, it's always a pleasure. And we'll see you next time on the Suns Undone podcast. Sponsored by nobody. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs>